Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, welcome back to the afternoon here on Ausbiz Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company for the next hour on a program we call The Call, where we analyse 10 stocks that you've suggested we take a look at. I put them to an expert panel. We do all that in 60 minutes. I chuck in a bonus stock, a stock of the day, something that's been in the news. Uh, it's always fast and furious, but very interesting, particularly when we, uh, when we have this expert panel on. Um, they are just fabulous. Uh, Howard Coleman from Team Invest joins us. Howard, good afternoon to you. Welcome. Yeah, good to be with you again. It uh, should be a good show. Yeah, uh, really interesting mix of uh, stocks to get through today. And Gary Glover from Novus Capital is, um, if he looks a bit twitchy, it's because he's actually here in the studio for the first time in months. He's even put on a suit. He's had to get the lint brush out. So, Gary? Yep. Thank you for venturing yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Actually, probably quite lucky. We've got a little bit of an Arctic breeze sort of just keeping things cool for me. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, normally this time of year it'd be, uh, it'd be baked. Yeah, exactly right. The humidity yeah. hasn't quite come in no. at the moment, has it? Which yeah. is great. All right, let's get straight into it because uh, we always have a lot to talk about and we often run out of time and I don't want to do that today. Let's get straight into our stock of the day. Thought we'd take a look at LaVisa, the jewellery retailer. Um, seeing a very bullish re-rate coming from Macquarie, with the broker hiking its valuation by 47% from $17 to $25 as the company hopes to target growth in India and China. Now, Macquarie citing the potential 1,400 or more uh, customers, customers in those markets for the move, or 14, uh, 1.4 billion rather, uh, upgrading the stock to outperform from neutral. Checking in on how the shares are faring off the back of the news. And uh, as you can see, it's been a pretty healthy chart uh, on uh, for LaVisa over recent times. But uh, that big upgrade from Macquarie. Um, Howard, LaVisa regarded as being one of the best retailers in the market, but a, a very bullish forecast from, uh, from Macquarie. What do you think of the stock? Pretty well. Um, and it's growing around the world and uh, opening up more stores in many, many, many places. Uh, return on equity, as you'd expect from a retailer, is high. Um, debt levels are very high, but a lot of that is leases. So that's less worrying debt than if it was bank debt, but still worrying a little bit nonetheless. So it wouldn't pass our filters. The debt levels are far too high. And um, uh, earnings per share has sort of been growing, but I mean, it's not all that spectacular growth. Um, 2018 and 19 were their two highest earnings per share. Obviously, COVID hasn't helped them. Um, but, you know, the P ratio is so high for a retailer. It's on a P ratio uh, for the past year of about 93. Now, wow. even if one makes a few heroic assumptions, so I looked at it this way this morning, I said, let's assume the earnings would have been double if it hadn't been for COVID. Now, that's a fairly heroic assumption because it would have been by far a record earnings per share this year if that was the case. Yeah. Let's assume in five years' time that it's on a PE ratio of 30, which is a very heroic PE ratio for a retailer. Retailers generally are on PE ratios 20 or less. And let's assume it grows 30% a year every year for the next five years. Now, that's, again, a very heroic assumption. Few companies grow more than 20% a year for the long term. Uh, short term, they sometimes do. And even on that basis, your return over five years is fairly miserable at the current share price. Mm. So um, I think it's terrific business. But, you know, you've been able to buy the same company on a PE ratio of under 20 every year except for the last about 14 or 15 months. Right. And now it's in a P ratio of 93. 
So it would have to come down an enormous amount in price before anybody in Team Invest would be enthused about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, that, that's almost a tech stock multiple, Gary, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, I, I did look at the forward PEs and stuff there. So I think it's 53 uh, times sort of full year, and then uh, with 43% growth the following year. So so probably right. bigger than how it's <laughs> number there. That's still on about 37 times next year's number. Right. So, yeah, so the PE is pretty high. So pricing and a lot of growth there. Look, it worries me a little bit seeing that, that upgrade too. So Macquarie was basically probably the lowest. I think they were sort of sitting at 17, which is the lowest of all the majors there. Right. Yeah. Suddenly gone to $25, 47% upgrade. So obviously uh, possibly reacting a little bit to being behind the eight ball on the call. So, uh, so, in other words, you're saying they got it so wrong. Well, they're right now. Well, the wrong side. <laughs> they've of now up- upgraded it to well, I'm, be I'm ahead more, of the pack. I'm more worried about the, uh, you know, call the the, the cynic in me of this industry is that when you sort of maybe get too aggressive there, you might be looking for a little bit of corporate uh, business oh, right. as well. Okay. So, <laughs> I mean, there's only about 36 million cash on the books. So, uh, Lavisa still one up basically. I think got about 60 stores in the US. So. Yeah. They you know, made it pretty clear in all the reports they're really looking to ramp up their uh, the growth. And, uh, and so I just worry here that maybe there's, um, you know... Uh, maybe a raise coming. Well, might, might, need okay. some, might need some more money to uh, if you want to uh, expedite the growth. Right. So that makes me a little nervous here as well. So, yeah, yeah if, if the PE is not big enough, the, that, that worries me secondary as well. So, okay. yeah, so if anything, it's probably a sell for me today. Right. Okay. Um, but look, great business, probably just not a good price here. Yep. Um, Howard, just following up on your comment on the debt levels of La Visa, which mm. is probably leases, um, that's only been a fairly recent change in sort of accounting standards, hasn't it? That, that a yes. lease becomes debt. So, but a lease for a retailer is sort of good debt. <laughs> is that because you've got well, to have a lease for your stores uh, and uh, do you treat it differently in your filters? A, a, a little bit, but I mean, all debt is bad because um, at some stage or you, you've got to pay that money. And yeah. a, a number of retailers who go broke and because they've got leases that are too expensive for them is, is enormous. You know, I mean, retailers are businesses that often go under um, now, there are a lot of retailers, so there's others that don't go under, but, you know, a lot of retail businesses don't make it. Um, but it's not as bad debt as a bank because if you owe money to a bank, never mind what the covenants are, if the bank doesn't like something you're doing, they come along and say, give us the money and you're in trouble. If a landlord says to you, uh, pay your uh, lease and you can't, well, you do like Solomon Lewis demonstrated, it's so easy to do, you say, well, I won't at the moment. Um, your, you know, your shopping centre isn't busy enough. We won't pay, pay our, our rent. The worst they can do is close that store down and eventually try and sue you, by which time you've solved the whole problem anyway. So it's it's not as bad debt right. as owing money to a bank. But all debt, uh, as Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger always say, debt's a four-letter word. Okay. All right. <laughs> did, you just, did you see the update yesterday with, with the JobKeeper on La Vista as well? So they've no. managed to pocket about eight mil a year. The last two years, or so, yeah, the last two terms, so eight, wow. eight mil, so I haven't paid any back. Right. So uh, there's yeah, a lot yeah. of them um, uh, releasing these announcements sort of after five o'clock, sort of uh, in the quiet when no one's looking, hopefully right. going unnoticed. But there's a few retailers recently uh, definitely sort of taking a lot of money and not, not giving yeah. much of it back. So, yeah. yeah. A lot of corporates across different sectors as well. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get into the stocks that you want us to look at. And Gary, uh, Jenny wants a view on Bendigo and Adelaide Bank. Uh, Jenny says it's dropped considerably lately, wondering if you know why it's dropped, if it will drop further, um, and do you think if it's possibly a buy at these lower levels? Yeah, look, it's not expensive here now, so we're sort of back to around a PE just under 12. Um, but, I mean, we sort of we look at earnings per share, I mean, forecast to sort of just taper off again next year, so that probably PE goes back to sort of 12 next year, and I think... If you look at the 10-year average there, it probably trades between 12 and 14 and a half. So historically, it's probably down the lower end. But it, it is, you know, th- this sort of bank and uh, neobank and financial services, there's probably more competition here now than we've seen in a long, long time yep. in that financial services. So I, in, 
these businesses become a lot more streamlined, more simple. So they've probably given away some of the more, the higher growth elements there to try, you know, just because of some of the regulatory changes as well. So I think they probably should be trading on lower PEs. I think the whole industry should be on lower yeah. PEs personally. I think we're sort of, we're trading up here because there's no yield anywhere. So we're paying overs for a bit of yield. Yeah. But look, I think a little bit lower. I think I had a look, uh, I think 850 would be like a 50% retracement on a, on a sort of technical chart. So that's yeah. probably a big support level for it. So I think around 850 is probably a slightly more attractive level, but not pricey here based on yeah. historicals, but I think it can cover a little, little lower here, but okay. yeah. All right. And then would you be interested around that? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Howard? Yeah. Um, as Gary says, there's a lot more competition now for banks than there was before. And what's going to happen, of course, is they'll take all the little crumbs off the bank's table that are the most attractive crumbs to start with, the ones with the best margin. So that's not good for any of the banks. Um, Bendigo and Adelaide Bank has a return on equity that's only a bit more than half of the other banks. And with interest rates on the bond markets now rising, um, and they'll probably have to pay slightly more than for a, the big four banks when they're borrowing uh, in the offshore markets. Um, so with a lower return on equity and borrowing costs rising, that's probably why the share price has gone down. But the other thing to look at is when you buy into a company, you want to know that the share price is going to be materially higher, say, five, ten years down the track when you perhaps want to sell it. That means earnings per share has to be growing. Now, Bendigo and Adelaide Bank hasn't had any growth. In fact, it's had slightly negative growth in earnings per share for 10 years. 10 years ago, the earnings per share was 77 and a half cents. It's now 70 cents. And there have been times when it's been over 80. So really, if you look at the graph of earnings per share, it's on a very, very slight downward trend uh, over the 10 years. Now, if, if that trend continues, um, all you're going to get out of this is a dividend yield each year, and you'll sell the shares for less than you paid for them somewhere down the track. So if you do want to buy it, you've got to buy it really cheaply. And I would say, uh, I don't think anybody in Team Invest would consider this company, the return on equity is too low. But um, if you were to consider it, you'd want to be buying it when it's really dirt cheap. And it got down to a P ratio uh, of about eight point something um, I'm just having a look here. Uh, yeah, 8.3, a bit over a year ago, and it's had other years where it's been below 10. So on a PE ratio of less than 10, maybe um, yep. you, you can get a return out of it. Okay, but not at these levels. Um, no. Now, Howard, Leo wants a view on Appen. Now, this is a company that basically uh, helps companies with their artificial intelligence, doesn't it? It's a, um, a really interesting business. Um, share price crushed in the last 12 months, down 65%. But in the last month or so, it's up about 20%. And um, sort of it was a darling of the tech stocks. Then, as I say, got crushed. Uh, and you... You can see it there, $34 down to 11 now. Got down to sort of eight um, only uh, only a month ago. And uh, they've um, made an acquisition in, in Quadrant Global. Um, City have come out, uh, another broker, and put a 12-month price target of $17 on it. Um, some of the directors and founders have been buying in the last week or two, which is getting the market enthused. Um, what do you think of Appen? Yeah, I think to start with, I should say, I've got a very small holding in it myself, a really tiny, I bought a teeny bit of it in March, April last year, just to keep it on my watch list. It actually reached over $40, in, in, in fact, at one stage, yeah. and was a real darling. Um, and what they do is clearly a growth industry. They've got over a million people that on their books who they can get to um, tag photographs and, and data and so on for artificial intelligence. So putting that together for somebody else would be an enormous job. So it's quite a big moat they've got. However, it hasn't been all that well run. Its return on equity the last couple of years has been under 10%. And in the um, uh, calls, uh, talking to analysts uh, after the yearly results and half yearly results, they pretty much said, 
We haven't done well, as well as we hoped, and we don't really know why our clients at the moment aren't spending as much as they were before. We think it's probably COVID, but there were too many things that they, they answered. Uh, they, uh, um, uh, my words, not their words, but the, the answer boiled down to we don't know. Now, if management in the business doesn't thoroughly understand their business, that's a worry. Mm. So I think that's part of the reason why it's come down so much. Uh, in terms of the, the business they're in, yeah, it should do well. It's got no debt. Um, it's got uh, uh, earnings that have been largely growing. Um, uh, you know, a return on equity is a bit low, so they may not grow that super fast. And it does look a little bit on the cheap side to me too. I haven't added to mine, um, but I've sort of looked at it every now and then, my tiny holding, and said, eh, it's a bit cheap here. Maybe I should add some, but I'm just not enthused enough to say that it could be one of the 20 best companies in my portfolio. So um, it's probably not a bad buy at the moment, though. Okay. Gary? Yeah, it's an interesting one here. So, uh, you know, there's a good uh, stat that I sort of learned with growth stocks is that um, 80% of growth stocks eventually will have like a 50% correction and 50% can have an 80% correction. So this is well and truly... Got, gotten down the 80%. Yep, so it's exactly. really, really got hammered pretty hard. So we're trading in the sort of the low 20s for multiples. So we come back to a reasonable multiple here. Um, the curious thing here is what's happening within the business. Uh, obviously, they, uh, you know, work closely with the majors there. So the Googles and Facebook. So yep. the traffic actually went down um, over the last sort of uh, two years. So so even, even so through COVID, the activity, hmm. uh, which is sort of strange, you would have thought it probably would have gone, gone yeah. up there. Um, so I see a few brokers are saying once we'll normalise, they'll, the traffic will go back up again, right. which, which I'm, not, I'm not so sure about. But, um, but yeah, I guess the biggest risk here is that it is in a downgrade cycle, so it has been sort of coming off, but it has been cheap here. I, just, I looked at the technical picture, actually. I, this is actually one that I, I, I covered a couple of weeks ago um, in my report, just sort of saying that the stock's actually broken up out of a downtrend. So, but I think it might do a period of building here. I think right. it will probably need to sort of, just because there's a little conjecture around the earnings and whether they whether they can go back up again or whether they can, um, but I, I think the stock's probably going to be, you know, around this sort of, what, you know, 8 or $9 between $12. It might sort of spend a bit of time in here, but if it can build here and then mm. maybe the earnings start to improve again, and I think the right. stock could go back up again, but... So little, wait, wait for the first It's up. a little early here, but right. I think it's... Um, yeah, I, I, I would be holding if I, held, if I, if I had some. Yep. Um, I'm not buying any here yet, but um, it's definitely on the radar as one that uh, we should be watching pretty closely here because I think if there is a turnaround that earnings, yep. then the stock is pretty reasonably priced here. Because so it's yeah. a horrendous chart, and yeah. people have said to me their doubts is they use... Because it's quite a manual process to... Yep sort of tag all these photos and yeah. everything and the fear is that AI <laughs> might take over doing that. Possibly, uh, yeah. Or the Googles bring yeah. it in-house or... You're also very segmented too, so they look after, you know, they don't look after a stack of clients. Right. It's a bit like that integrated, re- was it RRI? Have right, sort yeah. Of, yeah, you look after a, a small group of clients yeah. there, so yeah. that, that's, mm. that's a risky sort of element to the business, but... I think, if this, I think if the next report shows an improvement in earnings, okay. then I think the stock can probably can run here. All so right. it's a little early, but interesting so here. Keep yeah. an eye on it. Yeah. All right. Um, Gary, Harriet wants a, uh, a view on, on the uh, bridgeway there in the, uh, the litigation business, um, sort of civil suits. Uh, in Asia, Australia, Canada, Europe, uh, Middle East, UK, right around the world. We had Shine come up uh, the other day on the call as well. Similar sort of yeah. organisation, bunch of lawyers who go and sue people for doing the wrong thing and class actions. Yeah, so look, it's um, look interesting here. I think um, the PE is around 8.3 at the moment and yeah. even forecasting sort of only about 3% growth next year, PE is on about eight times as well. So... Multiple seems pretty cheap. It's definitely down the lower end price to be wise. Just, it's a risky business as well because I think these guys carry a lot of costs. So they put a lot of money into their class action sort of disputes yeah. and then try and get a win at the end. Yeah. Um, and they generally only get paid if they win. That's uh, right, yeah. A percentage. So I think yeah. there's a, been a few of their cases of sort of, I'm not sure whether, whether it's COVID has sort of kicked a few of the cans down the road, made them a bit longer, some of the disputes, right. but they haven't had. It just seems like there's some of the 
some of the sort of heavier cases that are that are in play at the moment have been um, are still in play, um, and they haven't had too many wins here recently. So um, yeah, it's just it's a risky business. This one, so yeah, yeah it look, could be good value down here, but. Yeah, I don't know. I just uh, it's just too risky for me. Yeah, yep. I'm not um, okay. yeah, un- unclear to me. Yeah. And and Howard, I was reading the other the other week, isn't the um, uh, the, the Attorney General looking at capping what lawyers can make out of these class actions and and all the lawyers yeah, are, fi- are fighting <laughs> as yeah, as you can the- imagine, uh, fighting against that being introduced. But uh, that's a bit of a dark cloud. Absolutely. Now, they are largely litigation funders rather than the lawyers. In other words, they fund the cases. They fund the Um, lawyers, right. Yes. Now, there are a couple of things with it. Um, Firstly, the one you mentioned, David, is that not only in this country, but in several countries around the world, they're starting to put caps on how much the litigation funders and the lawyers can get in these class actions because there have been some pretty scandalous ones around the world Uh, not necessarily involving Omni Bridgeway, but there have been some pretty scandalous ones where almost all the money that was paid out by the company in the lawsuit went to the lawyers and the funders and almost nothing went to the clients who were really suing. So they've... We've already had our treasury here make it tougher for them um, and you can't do this choosing which state in Australia you want to do the suit in based on where you've got the easiest um, uh, ability to get the highest percentage. And that's a trend all around the world. So that's not good for Omni Bridgeway. But the second thing is I just have a very um, awful feel about these, th- this company. What they're really doing is that they're encouraging they and the actual lawyers who do this, they encourage one set of shareholders to sue another set of shareholders. They don't say those words. They say you're suing the company. But the directors who maybe misled the market don't pay the money. The management who maybe misled the market don't pay the money. The company pays the money out of shareholders' funds. So what really happens is shareholders sue one another. And in the end, everybody loses. The shareholders who get paid out get a small piece of it and the lawyers and the funders get the rest. And the shareholders who remain in the company lose all the money because it comes out of shareholder wealth. So I really, unless they've done something absolutely horrendous, like this, uh, what appears to be the case with Elizabeth Holmes and Theronis in the United States, um, I'm really uh, uncomfortable with the whole concept. And every time I've been invited to join a class action, I've turned it down on the grounds of, uh, do I re- if I stay in the company, I'm really suing myself. And if yeah. I've sold my shares, uh, I'm suing the, the people who didn't sell their shares. Yep, yep, yep. No, a really good point. Uh, Howard, Chris wants a view on Neo Metals. They're the, uh, the big battery recycling company and, and technology. They've got a, um, a pilot plant that's being a, bat- a lithium um, sort of electric vehicle sort of battery uh, recycling demonstration plant that's been commissioned in Germany. Chris says, um, like to know about this company for the long-term investment, been on my watch list for a while, moved up in share price over the last couple of weeks, but looking to hold for years to come. Should I wait for a pullback or is it still good at these prices? Well, besides the um, technology of recycling uh, the materials out of the batteries, which is their demonstration plant, they've also got a couple of other projects that they've been exploring on. But so far, they've never made any money. So it all sounds lovely in theory, but so far it's a story, not a business. And stories rather than businesses don't often turn into good stories for investors. They land up being great stories for management because management gets paid, they get bonuses, they you know uh, do the thing they enjoy doing, do all their research, but it's paid for by shareholders. Now, the one good thing about them, though, is they at least haven't raised any extra capital from shareholders for uh, several years now. So they've been fairly cautious on the money they're spending. But so far, I don't see anything that suggests to me that this is going to turn into a good investment. So at any price, it would be the kind of company that team invest would say, we hope you succeed, 
Uh, if you one day prove you can successfully make money out of this, we look at you as a business. But until then, uh, no thanks. It's not an investment as far as we're concerned. Yep. Gary? Yes, I mean, yeah, how's spot on there? I mean, look, it's um, obviously this lithium battery recycling project, the vanadium uh, recovery project. So they all, they all, you know, it all sounds like a great sort of story there and some nice pictures there, and um, but there's no receipts. So basically not... I actually don't think there's even a dollar made right. here so far. So, yeah. um, so I think they're looking to go commercial there, maybe, maybe get some receipts there next year. Um, but yeah, look, it, it reads like a great story, but you know, there's, just, there's just no money there at the moment. So it's hard to sort of see what type of uh, revenues and, and what type of margins will be in this business. Yep. And then, I mean, there's a few others as well moving into this space. There's obviously a lot, lot of people moving into the recycled um, um, lithium battery space as well. So, you know, I think none of us sort of know what, how, how profitable this business can be. But and the, the other thing, apart from... Apart from those risks there, if you look at the price action on the chart there, we'll go back. <laughs> so you look at a weekly chart, um, and this is basically what I refer to like as a blow-off trend. So yeah. uh, weekly trend is sort of where you've sort of built a bit of a base and then you start to accelerate and then, then you start to get vertical. So if you can kind of draw three vertical trend lines, yep. then you're in a vertical trend. So then you're in a blow-off phase. So you're in an aggressive trend, but this is sort of, you know, once, once they sort of finish, this is when you get your your 50% or your 80% correction. So I don't know which one this is right. going to be, but... So you'd be selling it? Well, it looks it's still in a vertical stage here, so you would be trailing. You'd be trailing the stop here because once, you know, it, these things can can right. pop into, you know, this thing's got momentum like a lot of these stocks do. Right. So it could potentially go slightly higher here, but uh, once it turns here, once it, you know, breaks your, you know, whether you're, you know, using a 21-day or a 50-day moving average, right. I'd be using one of those, keeping it tight. But you'd so be, you'd yeah. hold, but be prepared to get out Oh. Quick. Yeah, I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be watching this really closely at the moment here, be tightening up my stop for sure, because okay. it's uh, vertical. All right. Uh, Joyce wants a view, Gary, on Australian Finance Group. Uh, they basically provide funding for, for mortgage brokers, uh, hold network. Joyce says um, stock price has been on a decline in the past few weeks for no reason that I can see. Three brokers, Macquarie, Morgan City, all had price targets above $3.18. That's... 35% above the current price. What am I missing? And why does the market not like AFG, especially as the property market's on a tear? Choice good comments. Yeah, so I think the underlying answer to that is is that um, there's this um, a connective acquisition there which was um, which is not proceeding. So right. it looks like AFG, we're, we're trying to basically uh, add this sort of mortgage aggregator uh, yep. onto the business. And that was going to help with their distribution. So it looks like that's not going to go ahead. So since then, prices come off quite a bit because obviously this is a bit of a scale-up type of yeah. uh, story here. I mean, the PE is, what, 10.5, I think 10 times 23 earnings there. But it looks like there's been a... I saw a few substantial notices, um, so major shareholders selling out as well. Yeah. So, yeah, so it looks like market's sort of turned a little bit negative here and it's probably just on the back of that, missing out on that um, connective acquisition. So... Yeah. Yeah, again, it's a very competitive space here as well. Lots of competitors, lots of fintechs. You know, it's yep. a really, you know, it's just so much out of um, competition here. So you can't, af- you know, can't afford to be missing here. So mm. um, look, financials don't look too bad here, but I just, you know, to me, there's a sort of classic topping signs here for this sector here. So I'd be very particular about um, any financials and uh, yep. fintechs here, and um, yeah, and this so. wouldn't be one of them. No, no. Look, okay. it's, it's, that's obviously why it's selling off here because they've missed out on this um, acquisition. Howard. Yeah, I mean, certainly by the standard of some of the companies we look at, it looks really very good. It's got high return on equity. Its earnings are growing a little bit. Um, debt we can't count because it, what it does is it aggregates a whole lot of mortgages and then sells off that package of mortgages. Now, its problem, though, is that um, interest rates are starting to rise, so it would be paying more for uh, its funds that it's going to be aggregating new mortgages into than before. So that's not a good sign. But the other point, I think, is while on the one hand, if you look at the short term, it looks like the share price has come down. If you look at the longer term, it's not cheap because you could have bought this any time up in, in any year up till now in the last seven years for under $1.60. And it's now $2.40 or $2.36. 
So it's certainly not cheap at this stage, even though the PE looks relatively low. But these kind of companies trade on relatively low PEs because mortgage-backed securities, the tap can get turned off at some stage or become too expensive. So it certainly doesn't look bad. And I know a couple of Team Invest members have been talking about it and looking at it. Um, but to me, looks a little bit on the expensive side. But uh, other than that, looks like it passes most of the filters that Team Invest members would look at. Okay. All right. Let's just uh, recap the first uh, five stocks of the call, plus our stock of the day, LaVisa. A no from Howard. Um, a no from Gary, if you got it. Uh, Gary would recommend you sell it because it's on a massive multiple at the moment, which looks hard to sustain. Uh, Bendigo Bank, Gary would be interested if it kept going down to around $8.50. Appen um, looks interesting as a buy. Howard's got some and would be looking at topping up um, at these levels. It's a hold from Gary. Omni Bridgeway, a no from both. Neo Metals, um, a no from both. Uh, Gary's saying, if you're in Neo Metals and you've followed the spike up, uh, be ready to sell at any time uh, because you're getting close to the top. And Australian Financial Group, a no from both. Uh, Here at the call, uh, we've been following our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July last year. Thanks to our partner, NABTRADE. Any stocks that get two thumbs up, go into the portfolio. If they come up again uh, and get either a yes or a hold, they stay in the portfolio. If they get a no, it goes out of the portfolio. Uh, Let's check, see how it's been performing. Up one and three quarter percent for the week, three and a half percent for the month up almost 11% since the 1st of July this year. And since inception, up almost 50% since the 1st of July last year. Some of the stocks recently added, Capital Health, Rhythm, Biosciences, MedAdvisor, Seven West Media, Smart Parking. Some of the stocks taken out, Southern Cross Media, Magnus Energy, PWR and Hub24. You can see all the stocks and ETFs in the calls portfolio. Head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio and we'll keep updating it each day. Think having an SMSF is hard? Well, think again. Set up your own SMSF completely online with Stake Super and invest your super with freedom. There's no paperwork and Stake does all the admin. You just focus on the investing. Um, um, Howard Glenn wants a view on Spark Technologies, a South Australian company focusing on uh, um, technology solutions around graphene um, and applications. They've recently partnered up with the University of Adelaide uh, to create a technology capable of producing hydrogen um, using uh, uh, photoic analysis and solar radiation. So again, another um, sort of early stage tech company, but good partner in Adelaide University. Yeah, I mean, um, I I remember talking about uh, graphene when I was doing physics at university more than 50 years ago. So uh, um, this this is not new, but nobody's ever been able to make any money out of it. Um, Perhaps now with hydrogen, somebody will be able to make some money out of the latest technology. But this company so far has never made any money. So again, it's one of these things that I wish them well, but they've been raising capital from shareholders on a fairly regular basis. Um, And uh, so far, it doesn't look like a business. And uh, one day when it actually starts earning some revenue um, and making, which it hasn't yet, and making some money, it may be worth looking at, but far too early stage to be anything other than a complete and utter a stab in the dark um, that it may one day turn out to be more than just a wonderful story and it may actually turn into being a business. So definitely a you know from, from a team invest perspective. And Gary, stocks like this, as Howard says, you wish them well, but as an investor, you want to make money, don't yeah. you, an investment, and you can't have it sitting idle <laughs> for a longer period of time. Yeah, yep. I mean, this um, I actually... Um, in my report this week, I sort of talked about this being a rinse and repeat market, whereas at the moment we're sort of seeing stocks, uh, you know, get on a run, then they get hot, 
then they get any, they get, get even hotter, and all of a sudden they implode, and then they right. then they sell off, and they actually sell off probably quite deep. Yeah. And then they build again, and then yeah. So it's real, some real volatility in this current marketplace. So, <laughs> so something seen, like what Miso Blasters. Yeah, yeah. So we've seen vertical moves come back deep. You know, we've yeah. seen we've seen iron ore, coal stocks. We've seen yeah. lots of these sort of commodities go through these sort of really vertical aggressive cycles, come off really hard, and then yeah. then turn back up hard. So this sort of uh, I mean hydrogen obviously um, and graphene's been pretty hot. So yeah. uh, 111 mil market cap. So it's got a pretty sizey market cap here already. They raised 2.8 million at uh, 70 cents there only only a few months ago, and we're already yeah. gone to dollar dollar eighty was the top yeah. here. So yeah. yeah, pretty pretty aggressive there. But you just got to be careful. Once they sort of get vertical like this, it's uh, you know these are stocks. Once the sort of once the selling steps in here, you'll see this thing you know this okay. thing will cool right off. So look, it's just you're seeing sec at the moment here. You're actually not seeing the market go up as one or come yeah. down as one. You're seeing sectors get hot together so yeah. the whole sector will basically all the stocks in that sector will all go up in, in one yeah and then they're all coming off as one there and then other sectors going up here so i just think you've got to be careful this is a sector which is on fire currently yeah so we saw what happened to coal prices when they're on fire what happened to iron ore prices when they're on fire so i'd be super cautious about this right here right so if you're yeah. in it would you stay? And I would be, I'd be tightening my stop. I'd, look, I, I would be selling half at least, right. um, and tight, tightening a stop. But up not on the buying other half. in here. No, no, so no. This, okay. this, this stock's vertical. It's in gravity. It's starting yeah. to overlap. Volume's starting to, yeah. So it's okay. all, all the classic sort of, very right. throffy sort of activities. Uh, Brian wants to view um, Gary on oil search, the um, the oil and gas. Explorer producer, um, most of the assets based in uh, in Papua New Guinea, of course. Um, I think they've accepted the Santos takeover offer, haven't they? Uh, well, they yeah, they have, but um, yeah. still has to get sort of voted on. So I think yeah. their um, first court date was just just passed. Yep. Second court date, 9th of the twelfth. Effective date, tenth of the twelfth. New shares trade on the twentieth. So still a little bit of risk here. Still um, yeah. still has to get voted up. Over. So I saw a few brokers after that Grant Samuels report saying that they're undervaluing the all search, all search part yeah. should be a bigger component there. So there's a few there that sort of think the deal may not get done now. Um, mm. I, I still think that's probably more likely to get done. Yeah. Um, but if it doesn't get done, there's more likely that all search price will come back. Right. Um, but yeah, look, I, it's hard here because all price is up around $80 a barrel. So. It's hard to sort of see uh, how oil's going to kind of push on, or at best it sort of holds here. So, yep. yeah, but too tricky for me. I actually like the way it's trading. So that kind of the technical picture looks constructive to me. But um, with, with a few things going on here um, over the next two or three weeks, yeah, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be sitting back here. Maybe some opportunities will come up here. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Howard? Yeah, I mean, um, I think the important thing philosophically is we uh, in Team Invest always look at it from the point of view of we buying into businesses, therefore they have to be great businesses. We want to own a share in the business. Most of our people have business experience, our members, they've got lots of ability to look at what makes a good business and what doesn't. We're not renting stocks. In other words, we're not buying it saying, if I buy it now, maybe I can sell it for more later. We're saying, if I buy a piece of that business today, the business will most definitely be worth a lot more later. And therefore, I'll be able to sell it virtually certainly for considerably more than I paid. It takes a lot of the guesswork out. And if you look at oil search, its return on equity has averaged around 6% a year over a decade. Now, really, that's pretty miserable. And the reason is uh, oil uh, companies, uh, explorers and developers are extraordinarily capital intensive. You spend billions today in the hope that down the track you're going to get these billions and more back again when you sell it all, uh, sell a product, the oil or the gas. And very, very rarely do they land up being particularly good investments. And this one's return on equity is lower than many others around the world. So to get enthusiastic about it as a business would be extraordinarily hard. So whatever the share price and whether it does the merger with Santos government comes through or doesn't, 
it's not a particularly good business. So our okay. members would look at it and say, why would we want to be investing in a relatively poor business when we only want 20 or maybe 25 shares in our portfolio and we've got 2,000 some to choose from on the ASX alone, we might as well pick 20 really outstanding businesses rather than a couple of mediocre ones just because their yep. share price looks good at the top. Yep, that's a really good investment logic. Um, Howard, uh, Colin wants a view on Antisense Therapeutics. This is a, uh, another um, little medtech uh, company uh, developing uh, drugs to fight muscular dystrophy. Um, European regulators have uh, given it the thumbs up for the first uh, steps to authorise one of their drugs. Um, what do you think of Antisense Therapeutics? Well, the first thing I'd like to say is I really, really wish this company extraordinarily well. And I have very strong personal reasons for this. My father died of a form of muscular dystrophy, not the one they're working on. Um, I have a brother-in-law um, who has MS and a couple of other friends who have MS, another one that they're working on a drug for. And my wife suffers from acromegaly and gets a once a month injection. And uh, that's another drug that they're working on, right. a, a different acromegaly uh, drug. However, when I look at this as a business, my hair stands on end. It's lost more than 100% of shareholders' equity on average every year. In other words, it's been having capital raisings that are large compared to its shareholders' equity every single solitary year. And while it's got quite a few drugs in stage two and stage three trials, that's a long way from earning any revenue. Uh, even if you've started the process of trying to get approval, it's a good couple of years down the track. And some of these conditions like Duchenne uh, muscular dystrophy and uh, atrophy and uh, acromegaly, the number of patients is really very, very small. So while I wish them um, absolutely wonderful success, um, I really don't see anything in this business that suggests that it's anything more than a, a, a hopeful from a business point yeah. of view, but I certainly hope they succeed. Yep. Uh, Gary, they've just raised another 20 million. <laughs> yeah, you know. <laughs> so, I, I, to, I, to, to, to Howard's yeah. point. I think actually Howard and I had, had this maybe six, eight weeks ago. I think we, right. we both sort of were worried about capital raise at the time, I think. So, um, yep. but I see that, yeah, they've raised the, what, 17 mil there, plus a free option there, a one for two sort of option there to sort of try and sweeten yep. up the shareholders. But end of the day, still phase two, so still pretty early, still a long way to go. These, two, these phase two trials, they're, they're pretty expensive, you know, you need to sort yeah. of keep tapping shareholders there, so no surprise that uh, we had a really positive data, uh, you know, out on the 24th of the 9th and talking about statistical significance with their uh, with their trials and, um, you know, um, and reducing fibrosis and then, yeah, once there's a good new share pulse goes up and then we raise some money. So, yeah, yeah. yeah it's kind of classic sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, so not for me, definitely okay. not for me, yeah, too much risky. All right, something a bit more conventional. Uh, Gary Jenner wants a view on Wally, the big um, engineering um, and project management uh, infrastructure business. Um, what do you think of Wally? Yeah, look, it's pretty interesting here, actually, because it's um, currently about, what, 16 times, I think, um, looking at sort of um, earnings. I think the most forecasts have sort of got earnings growing about 18% next year, so that's on about 14 times um, next year's earnings. So typically it trades between about 11 and 23 times, to sort of where it sort of generally sits. So it's sitting probably down the lower end of the of the sort of um, sort of historical range there. Um, yeah, so look, I, I don't mind it here, actually. It's sort of pulling back here on declining volume as well. Just just look like it's sort of definitely sort of pulling back at the moment. But, yeah, it's definitely one that I think is probably closer to a buy here, actually. So, um, mm. yeah, I don't mind it here, actually. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, Howard, what do you think of Wally? Yeah, um, when you look at its earnings per share graph rather than its share price graph, um, earnings per share have gone from $1.31 10 years ago, $1.22, $100, 75 cents, 81, 81, 60 cents, 61 cents, 79, 47. Uh, it looks a bit like Maya and AMP. Um, exactly the reverse. If you had a mirror image of the graph of earnings per share, it would look like a good business. Um, but it actually, in fact, looks like a terrible business. Their earnings per share have gone down and down and down over the years. So this is a slow burn capital killer. 
So uh, not something that uh, our members of Team Invest would do anything other than shudder if they looked at. Okay. Um, now, one thing that could give them a big lift off is if the world realized that if it's not going to burn coal, nuclear may be a very, very good option for baseload power. And some countries are doing that, and they were involved in some cases in helping develop nuclear power plants. It's a definite no-no in this country, unfortunately, but um, uh, eventually the world will have to do that. And that may be good for Worley, but with the way the business has been running over the last 10 years, none of our members would be interested in waiting. Okay. All right, and our final stock, uh, Howard Max wants a view on Infomedia. They're the, uh, um, now it is um, sort of an online um, electronic parts and catalogues um, servicing business for the automotive industry. Um, share price has taken a, uh, a bit of a hit since its chief executive and managing director uh, resigned recently. Uh, and he was attributed to building the company back up a bit. Um, what do you think of Infomedia? Yeah, it's never a good sign when a really good CEO leaves because really good CEOs are few and far between. So when a really good one leaves, the chances are you get one that's less good than the one you had. Um, it's got pretty high return on equity, uh, earnings per share growing, and it's got no debt. It passes all our filters in Team Invest. And in fact, it's not on a particularly high PE ratio of about 24. So that's fractionally over the halfway stage uh, of its PE range over the years. So from all those points of view, it looks very good. Probably the only negative, uh, other than that, I'm, I'm, I think it looks like terrific business. The only negative, of course, is that electric vehicles have far, far fewer parts than internal combustion engine vehicles. Right. So in the long term, as the world switches more and more and more to EVs, that's probably not going to be good for them. Uh, having said that though, um, that's gonna take many years. It's not gonna be that tomorrow everybody suddenly got an electric vehicle. Um, and uh, at current share prices, it doesn't look expensive. So uh, if you research the company as an, you know, one of the viewers wants to research who the new CEO is, whether it looks like he or she has a terrific track record, I don't know the company well enough to know uh, about the person in previous businesses. But, you know, putting that aside, uh, it looks like it's a good, terrific business on a pretty reasonable PE at the moment. So it would probably be a yes for many Team Invest members. Mm. Uh, Gary? Yeah, so I think someone uh, internally is sort of going to step up and then they're going to go out and try and recruit someone externally. Right. Um, so, yeah, I agree with Howard 100% here. I think the... Like the numbers look pretty interesting. Obviously, it's done pretty well business. Um, not demanding PE here, but the biggest thing here is that uh, I mean the share price dropped fifteen percent the day that um, Rubenstein sort of um, resigned. Yep, resigned. Here. Yeah. Yep. yeah the, the, the thing that it's a fairly abrupt resignation as well. So pretty much resigned and left straight away. Yeah. Um, so that kind of worries me as to what why that is. So and yeah, I mean he's widely been um, you know he's the architect of the SAS. Um, yep. He's been, yeah. You know, he's basically sort of been, you know, central theme around It was a, it was a big catalogue book, wasn't it? Yeah, it used to be right. that yeah. car dealers would and spare parts would look up for replacement. Yeah. He put it online yeah. in the digital age. So it's sort of he's, he's been the driving force behind uh, the, the success of the company. So that's a little negative when you, yeah. when you get a great, as, as Howard said, you get a great, a great CEO who's done very well yep. and then decides to leave here. So he's, you know, according to them, he's up another opportunity but it's still very very you know it always worries me when it happens so fast you know yeah. normally unless he's going to a starting up a competitor or something right. um like and why is he leaving in, straight away you know yeah sorry if i could just add something else in there tongue-in-cheek the skeptic in me says maybe he's been forced to get an independent board and he's now got a bunch of people who don't understand the business and drive him around the bend with all sorts of <laughs> minutiae box ticking governance and he's decided to throw his hands in the air and say, I'm sick of this, I used to enjoy running it, but I don't enjoy running it anymore. Right. Yeah, and that's right. quite often been the case with founders who built up companies really well, or if not founders, but the people who've been yeah. the chief architect. Once they get a bunch of independents who know nothing uh, on their board, their life becomes a misery and they decide, forget this, it's too difficult, I'll go somewhere else. Yeah, there's definitely something odd about the how quick right. and how done it's, you know, it's not even hanging around or not even 
okay. caretaking role or it's just straight out the door bang. So the share yeah. price is a buy opportunity, but you layer over yeah. that issue. Well, if you've got the driving force of the success of this company stepping back, that's got to be right. a concern. So no for you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. But it's not, it's, not exp- it's not expensive here. It's probably a reasonable value, yeah. but it really will depend on whether the new guy coming in can um, turn around. Yeah. Uh, Howard, did you have a buy or not, or you avoid because of the uncertainty as well? Well, I'd have a buy conditional on being comfortable with who the new person right. is, so I wouldn't buy today. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd want to know who the new person is, what their track record is, what they've done before. But the other thing I would strongly recommend viewers do is look up all the board members. If the board members understand this type of business well, that's a good sign. Yeah. If they don't and they're a bunch of independents who have no experience in this industry at all, then the CEO they're going to hire is probably going to be the wrong person because they wouldn't know how to hire the right one. Um, You know, most boards have never had much experience hiring CEOs. They may be done it twice or three times in their life. Hardly makes them an expert. So the likelihood is uh, they could mess that up. So I'd be a a potential buy when I know who the new CEO is and I know that the board is the right kind of board. And I don't know enough to answer that yet. All right. Howard Coleman from Team Invest, great to have you aboard. Enjoy the rest of the week. Pleasure. It was good being on. Likewise, Gary Glover. Just to uh, recap the final five stocks, um, uh, Spark Technologies, uh, a no from Howard. Uh, Gary would be selling, if you, if you held the stock, uh, selling half your holding at the moment and keeping a watch because it's had a big run that looks a bit unsustainable. Uh, oil search a no from both, Antisense a no, uh, Worley a yes from uh, Gary, a no from Howard. Um, and a no at the moment on Infomedia, looks attractive, but both Howard and Gary want to know who the replacement is going to be um, that's going to take on the managing director's role. Uh, that's our show for today. If you've got any stocks you'd like us to cover, flip them in an email, thecall at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Don't forget you can check all the stocks and ETFs in the calls portfolio. Head to, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. <laughs>